Um, I picked up Airsoft. It's like twenty. I want to say late, late. I want to say late twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you met me around right, twenty seventeen. I met you. I met you a little bit. I think I met you right after I got. Uh, um, I met you after I was starting to work at Evic. Yeah. I met you afterwards. So. I had been driving down here consistently, going to Spring to yeah, see, to see, to see your Cora. Wife. And we drove by Evic all the time, and I was like, bro, I'm going to stop in there one day. You know, I, I'd love to go see an Airsoft shop, you know, go see what kind of gun stuff they have, because I'd always loved Airsoft. We used to play back when Airsoft wasn't really big, and mm-hmm. everything was Springers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no correlation, by the way. Uh, 100% correlation. <laughs> but it, I was like, I want to go see. And then I stumbled in there, and I was like, when I walked in the door, I felt like a kid in a fucking candy shop. Yeah. That's how everyone feels. So I started looking around, looking around, and I was like, all right, well, I'll be back. I came back like a week later, and I met up with Blake. Um, and I- You're listening to the 6mm Podcast with Peter Frost and Jared Hereford. Peter Frost is a six-year airsofter with two years of experience working for evic.com and in his spare time enjoys live streaming on Twitch, hanging out with his friends, and his enjoyment of guns. Jared Hereford has been an airsofter for 16 years as well as having experience working in the airsoft industry for three years at evic.com. In his spare time, he enjoys making holsters for Blue Bonnet Outfitters, his love of biking, and his metalworking business on the side. Together, they run the 6mm Podcast. Alright, welcome back uh, to the 6mm Podcast, uh, joined by uh, your beautiful, now bald, uh, bearded man, Peter Frost. And you can't call yourself beautiful, even if it's true. I am fucking beautiful, alright? I'm also joined here by the lovely and amazing Jared Hereford, as well uh-huh. as our special guest from uh, the Marine Corps, like 8,000 years ago. <laughs> Man, Listen, I'm w- not that old, Look, okay? Alright. I've got like four years on you. Okay. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Oldie. Your back's got like twenty years on me. Uh, my knees and hips got twenty years yeah, on you. Yeah, again, this is uh, this is Mr. Dustin Springer. Uh, Howdy, friends. For all you Houston airsoft nerds, you might you might remember who he is. Uh, was a old or well, the arena manager at one point. Yep. As well as uh, just a plain Jane referee, but you know. For those of you yeah. who may have played, I went by the call sign Big Chungus. Yeah, I was the the leader of. Shadow Warriors oh for a while. Oh my god! Oh, yes. Before Shadow somebody Warriors. decided they every, wanted to disband it. Every time, dude. <laughs> every time that that name just keeps coming up, and it's just like I get like flashbacks to like <laughs> maybe because it was supposed like, to be a great thing. Okay? It was supposed to be a great thing, and then it wasn't. Okay. Yeah, there was some things there. <laughs> yeah, but yeah anyway, I still have the patches. So if you want to buy, that's kind of like, how it usually goes. If you want to buy the the OG Shadow Warriors patches for like ten bucks, just hit me up, bro. I still find them. <laughs> like when I was packing up the house here recently. Oh, dude, they're everywhere. There, I keep finding. I, I, I cleaned out my closet and I found the whole box that you gave me and I was like, holy shit. Dude, I opened up one of the lockers in our break room and it has a waves patch in it. Yeah, dude. I was like, what? It's, like, it's insane how much they just hang around. Like, and that was insane. the Waves Houston team. Yeah. But uh, just, uh, we're, I'm going to go ahead and put this now. We're just going to uh, put a little disclaimer here. Uh, dun, dun. This is um, this going to be uh, a little bit of a different episode uh compared to all of our others but we do like to bring some diversity to the podcast um episode 11 is pretty much based around mental health and the veteran community veteran community um 
so we're going to be opening up a can of worms uh, from a prior uh, active duty Marine Corps. Bruh. Uh, crown eater. Um, so if you if you are active duty or if you have served and are listening to this episode, um, we just want to personally say thank you for your service and your, your time dedicated to your country. But um, this may be a little hard to listen to, but if you need to listen to it, please do, because this is something that kind of needs to be talked about. If we don't talk about it, it's not going to change. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, uh, with that being said, uh, yeah, what, what, was, what, was, what was it like? What was the Marine Corps like for you? Like, well, what made you want to join? Yeah, where did it start? Like, how'd you get there? So I, I was back in high school. It's like 2012, right? And that that makes me sound old as all get out. Well, I mean, I started high school in 2014, so. Yeah, God. I graduated in 2013. (laughs) I, I was sitting there and they were, they had all the. I know. You really got to hit your vapor right now. Yeah. Okay. He dies without the next day. Yeah, dude. Okay, but, continue. Um, I was sitting in my high school lunchroom, and they had the, you know, they, they, they always bring in the tables, yeah, and they bring dude, in the pull-up yeah, bars. Like, all the, all the yeah. branches are, like, Every there. single time. And you walk in, and they're like, hey, man, hey, hey, come talk with us. I'm like, no, no. And for the longest time, like, growing up, I, was, I, I always told myself I wasn't going to do the military. But whenever I hit my senior year, I really kind of had to sit down and look at it. Like, if I wanted to go to college, what did I need to do? And my parents couldn't pay for college. I couldn't pay for college out of pocket. I, I knew that there were grants and scholarships and stuff like that, but yeah. I wasn't at the top of my class. I, I grew up in a small town, so it was real hard to get scholarships. Um, so I was like, I, I'm going to go talk to one of the services just to kind of get some information and see. Yeah. So actually, believe it or not, I don't even think I've told you this. Um, the first branch that I actually spoke with was the Navy. Mm-hmm. So I actually mm-hmm. spoke with them because I wanted to go in and be a cook. I wanted to go to culinary school. So okay. I wanted okay. to yeah. I wanted to be a chef. Um, so I went and talked with them, and they were like, yeah, we have classifications where you can be, uh, like, the captain's personal chef and, you know, like, the, the higher-ups, you'd be their own personal chef. But then when I started kind of diving into it and started talking to some other members of the Navy, they were like, well, we were told that too, and then we got put as line cooks for the crew. Yeah, so, you yeah. told, we have this classification, but there's only, like, two dozen of them right in the entire like, Navy. it's it's very it's a very small yeah. delegated group um so I basically was, the only way to get in is for one of them to retire or die pretty much um or just do something really stupid yeah. that they're going to get kicked out yeah. of that spot so yeah. i was like well you know maybe that's not the best thing for me and i i really had this this thing at the time where i i made a joke out of it at the time but i was like i don't want to be walking around in a white uniform swimming around being called a seaman <laughs> like that was that just didn't sit right with me shout out to uh dallas our resident seaman. yeah right. shout out uh was it cell block 72 <laughs> yeah. yeah so i was sitting in the lunchroom and i was like well i mean i've always had this fascination for the marines let me go talk to them and they got me up on the pull-up bar i did better than most of the uh most of the candidates that Dude, they is it, through. all right all right is it like so have you done any of the recruiting stuff I I did the debt program. Okay, is it like required to always bring a pull-up bar as yes. the Marine so Corps? Yes. So their their whole thing is pull-ups, right? It's part of their <laughs> their basic pull-ups. standards <laughs> of of being able to be in the Marines. So okay. well, before we could ship off to boot camp, 
you had to be able to do a minimum of three pull-ups, and you had to be able to do a minimum of it was like fifty or sixty sit-ups and a certain run time, yeah. right? Because that's what mm-hmm. our uh, PFT is all about. Our physical fitness test for those of yeah. you who which y'all's run time is like fucking like extraordinarily well, hard. We run a th- in, we in run three eyes. miles. It's a three mile run. Yeah, no, I mm-hmm. my dude most most officers exams are just a mile and a half. Yeah, my my exam now for the job that I have is a mile and a half. Yeah, but I have to run it in like twelve minutes and forty five seconds. It's, yeah, it's insane. Which that's a high standard. That's compared a to super most high departments. standard. Um, mm-hmm. but. To answer your question, yes. They they bring it there to figure out if the person that they're actually talking to is going to be worth their time. Yeah. Like if they if some fat body walks up and and starts talking to them, you know, they they're gonna kind of just write you off. But somebody like myself, who at the time was probably yeah. about hundred and eighteen yeah. pounds, hundred and twenty pounds, and yeah. Could hide behind a tree. I, I literally made for pull ups. Yeah. Literally made for pull ups. I jumped up on the bar in the high school um, lunchroom and did fifteen right off the rip. Um, which was more than most of the other guys that were doing there were, were getting. Um, but anyways, I talked with them for a little while, and then I, I went into the actual officer. The, the recruiter actually came out to my house yeah. the first time around. And they, don't, they don't do that much anymore. No. Well, you got to like, think with, like, COVID protocols and stuff like that. Yeah. And then even well, then, even then, like, when I got out of high school, like, they weren't doing uh, door calls anymore. Well, what tends to happen there is that – they they were making the parents uncomfortable. Or they were making the person that they were talking to uncomfortable because you're showing up like the military is literally showing yeah. up to your house. Like I was excited about it. My mom was skeptical about it when my um, when my recruiter pulled up, and I, I will never forget his name, Staff Sergeant Vincent. Um, <laughs> shout out, shout out. He he pulled up, and we started the ASVAB. Which was this whole reason out there, and then to answer mm-hmm. any of my mom's questions. Yeah. So I joined the debt program, did that for about a year, went out to like their little events and stuff like that. Like they have like almost like a track and field meet once a year. Okay. Um. So we went out and did that. We went. I went out every uh, every month once a weekend to the recruiting station to go do the do the run and the the pull ups and sit ups and all that. The height and weight standards. Um. And I, I just kind of, I kind of just held my ground in it for a little while before I decided I didn't want to really do that and dropped out and went off to college. So it was, it was kind of a roller coaster there in regards mm-hmm. to just mm-hmm. why I wanted to do it. But I ultimately just boiled down to the uniform. Oh, I'm dude, being 100% honest. Look, let's it be just, real. It like, all right. If there's any, like, even I to this day will still want to join the Marines. I've, I've got a Marine Corps recruiter in my text, like text messages, just trying to get me to join. And I'm like, dog, I'm just playing my options right now. But, man, they are the most adamant branch out of all of them. They like, are. the Army's just oh, like, hey, they dog, also, you want to come? They always have the best commercials. Oh, yeah. Dude, the, oh, what was it? Uh, so, I've actually worked with a lot of Marines. Uh, like, in my job experience, like, everybody mm-hmm. I've worked with has been a Marine at one point. My old facilities manager was uh, a uh, Marine mechanic. Worked in the motor pool. And uh, Ooh, he was like, nice. "What got me hooked was the uh, was the chess commercial, like with yes, the, yeah, yeah, dude, like the I like, joined to slay dragons, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, dude, everything about the Marine Corps is fucking awesome. Well, like, I'll I'll tell you this in regards to the commercials aspect of it. I've been out since 2017, right? Mm-hmm. I'd be sitting there watching TV and I'd see the Marine Corps commercials come on, and it would it would make me have this." reminiscent like want for that camaraderie that I had in the Marine yeah. Corps and to, to kind of do some of the cool things that I did in the Marine Corps. So 
after watching enough of those commercials, my dumb self went and signed back up um, in mm-hmm. a yeah. no obligations contract for a year with a reserve unit here in Houston. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I got to the unit and I was like, yeah, this is, yeah, this is it's dumb. Not the, like, it's, it's not the same. It's time to go. Yeah. yeah. Which that's a whole different like can of worms. Yeah. No, they, the reserves are not like the commercials. You, yeah. they they literally have no like respect because they're only there for a weekend. Yeah. And by all means, reservists, I, I understand that you guys have like your own mentality with it. And I understand that there are still are some reservists there that look forward to the deployments and the field ops and stuff like that. They, they want it to be full time and they, they sometimes don't get the chance to. But to the reservists that join just for it to be a weekend job, and if that's the mentality, that, that's got to change because you guys are, in a sense, bringing down the standards of the military, and that's why we get looked at as a joke sometimes. Yeah, because, I mean, the, the, the thing you always see on every Marine Corps ad is the few, the proud, the brave. The Marine, yeah. Like, it's, it, it takes a tough cookie to go to the Marine Corps. I mean, if you think about it, like, at, and it's going to piss a lot of people off, and I don't care. In my eyes, the Marine Corps is, like, one of the harder branches. I now, mean, and they have to be hard. Now, shout out to all the special forces out there. Yeah. Like, you guys you guys have it rougher than anybody. Yeah, but, that, that's but a school. Correct. But in that regards, like, if you're going in just as Joe Schmo into the military, you know, they say that the Air Force is the hardest mentally. And granted, that is correct in some yeah. standards because they're, they're all about their tests. They're all about their knowledge. They're all about mm-hmm. this, that, and the other. But to me, the Marine Corps will always be the most physically and yeah. mentally challenging. Well, because you have the crucible. Excuse me, challenging uh, branch to get into. Yeah. Um, I mean, just the amount of mind, like it, your your mind gets so tossed around while you're there. You get torn down the second that you're there. You don't have a name. You don't have a rank. You don't have anything. You are literally dirt. And then, like, I remember the biggest mental thing for me was I went to MCRD San Diego. So I. They would march us down Recruit Highway to the Chow Hall, and we'd be standing outside the Chow Hall waiting, and you're literally – there's a fence, a dirt path, a fence, another fence, and then the airport (laughs) – Sounds like a prison. It it, it feels like it. Yeah. And then there's the airport uh, runway. You can Mm -hmm. literally see the planes backing out and literally taking off every day. I don't know how many times I looked at those planes and wished, God, I wish I was on one of those planes. Yeah. Like, it, it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And I have three kids. Yeah. Like, it should be – I shouldn't be able to say that. But the military was the hardest thing that I've ever done. However, I do not regret for one second ever joining. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you like I, I think that's just about every single Marine I've talked to. It's just, like, it was the greatest thing I've ever done. Like, I got to do some cool shit. Yeah. That's all, that's all I got to say about yeah. that. I got to do some cool stuff. Like – and like in terms of like the special forces uh, that have it rough, that is rough all around. That's mental, physical, fucking. It's gonna test every aspect of you. Which, but that's a school. Like nobody goes like unless you're like going to the navy. And they, they apparently they do that whole like, hey, who wants to be a navy seal? And then somebody raises their hand and they're like, all right, let's go. And it's like, whoa, wait. Well, what? they still send. They'll send <laughs> yeah. you to the school. Yeah. But, I mean, the washout. Rated yeah, at those well, schools is unless you're fucking what's his name? Uh, was it Josh Neal or somebody that was like there? There was one guy that he's referred to as the as like it's like the white whale or whatever. Like it's basically like the, just the the one out of a million that happened to go straight to buds, like straight straight to SEAL school and passed. Mm-hmm. Didn't didn't do anything prior. Went in they're like, hey, who wants to be a Navy SEAL? He raised his hand, became a fucking Navy SEAL. And then you got the Navy SEAL that is a Navy SEAL 
and an astronaut. Was it? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. I didn't know about that. Was it Jim Ken? What was it? He was... Was he special forces? Uh, he was special forces. Then he, was he special went, forces. He was the one that w- like it's the notorious picture of them doing the boat, the yeah. overhead boat hold, and he's smiling. Yeah. Everybody else around him looks like they're just dead. Yeah. Like you, did. you look inside and they're just a completely a ghost. He's just smiling the whole time. I think it's Jim Ken, or uh, Ken, uh, or Tim Lynn. I can't remember his name. He, he popped up on my feet last guy. night. Yeah. That yeah, guy. Yeah. He's got like three big things over his head. I think he's also a doctor. Yes, he is a medical doctor. Yeah. Which is and an seal and an astronaut. He's got more titles than Johnny Sins. Dude, uh, he. He is Johnny Sins. <laughs> that, that is the actual Johnny Sins. That, they're just That's hiding the his real government life name. Sins, yeah. yeah, and uh, but no, it's it's tough mentally, and that like at the time Johnny Kim, Johnny Kim, yes. hey, close enough. Johnny Sims, yeah, Johnny Kim, I was like, he's, he's right there. Um, at the time, it was because uh, like I mean, I grew up. I mean, actually, all three of us sitting at this table grew up through that period of nine eleven. Mm-hmm. And all that, and like you know, the whole you know, I want to go fucking fight because there was that period between two thousand one and oh eight where it was like you're either going to go get a blue collar job, you're gonna go work like for some fuck off company and like drill oil, or you're gonna go fucking join up. Well, that's all it was. Like at, back in that time frame when nine eleven happened, when everybody was running off to to enlist. I was still in junior high. Yeah. Like, I had no mm-hmm. drive whatsoever. I, yeah. I was to, still learning I, to walk. Like, I was worried. Don't get me wrong. I was worried about the situation, and I felt sorry for all the people that we lost and everything in 9-11. But I, I, it was really kind of lost on me the exact, like, reason magnitude why. and the yeah. reason why it happened the way that it did. So I didn't have that drive at the time. Um, it wasn't until later on that I started getting that drive to want to do something better and want to do something bigger yeah. and want to serve my country in a way that was actually going to be what I felt like at the time was beneficial. Yeah. And that's, it's kind of rolled down now. I mean, with everything kind of slowly coming to an end, which we're all still surprised yeah. about and the whole F- Afghanistan botch, but you know, um, I mean that that ruffled a lot of feathers. I mean, especially losing what thirteen Marines. Yeah, we freaking. So, I don't. I can't remember the exact number, but it's been some time. But I always get reminded of that number. Even but, in my tour over there, which was I don't remember the exact years. I've been out and I haven't even looked at my DD two fourteen to find out. Because you were in but, Kuwait, right? Yeah, I did. I did two tours overseas in Kuwait. We had four Marines in uh, Leatherneck, so we were supporting them there. We were with the coalition forces, um, essentially. Around the time frame of the Syrian war, or the, not Syrian, um, the, I think it was Yemen, Yemen civil yeah. war that they had going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was really kind of harsh seeing some of the stuff there and then seeing like the Marines to have their, their toll taken and, you know, stuff like that. It, yeah. it gets a little rough. I mean, that's, that's the point when I started having more of a drive and started getting angrier with like, the world in and of itself. And when I really kind of started opening my eyes and seeing the crap that was being fed around all over the place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which it's rough now. Cause I mean, I, it's weird because, uh, I've got a buddy that, uh, spent some time in Iraq and, uh, it's weird because he's not like, I, it's, it's no surprise that war changes people no shocker there no like you 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 go in 
and you come out different, but like I noticed the change with him. Like, mm-hmm. and he he did he did some shit, like did some cool shit, and uh, you know, shout out to his company, which I'm not gonna say, but um, I can do a shout out without an actual shout out. I mean, all right, look, they're in Colorado or not Colorado, <laughs> Arizona. I forget. Uh, we always message him and we're like, hey, the defects closed today. It's just like stop because they have a whole Facebook like page for it. <laughs> Like all all the bases have like a Facebook page for the units, and then they update them, and we're like, "Hey, boss, uh, just wanted to, you know uh, defects open now." It's just like stop, <laughs> and uh, it's been an ongoing joke uh, with one of my mods, Brian. Okay. Uh, we message him about it. Our, uh, we message uh, our buddy every now and then, but that was like the ongoing joke between them. It's just like he keeps like messaging me updates for my unit, and I'm not even back. <laughs> and he's just like, "I mean, hey, we're just checking in," but like I've been calling him lately because like. I don't know with uh, with everything going like I I've had people reach out to me about uh, just with mental health because like it's it's starting to become a big thing now, um, which it should have always been a thing. It should have never been like shunned and looked down upon. But I mean, you know, I I'm not gonna say that you know be the stereotypical asshole and pull out statistic numbers about uh, suicide rates compared between men and women but well that you know that that right there simply not only military wise but that boils down to the stigma that men have had to live up to over the years you know from from when i was a kid you know you get told Mm -hmm. suck it up deal with it figure it out not a percent you don't you don't really get told that your feelings are valid or that it's okay to not feel okay you know it's okay to reach out for help it's okay to talk to somebody you don't get told that so when you go in the military and you're dealing with all these really, really big skeletons in your closet, especially after you get out, mm-hmm. and you have that same stigma of, okay, well, you're weak if you talk about it. Yeah, it creates, it creates issues, and that's why we have 22 a day. Like that's, and that's yeah. the, the military experience makes it just even, more, even worse because it's so hard for anyone who wasn't in to relate. Right. Yeah. Where it's like the only people you can talk to who will understand you are also kind of in the same they've they've also been trained to never talk about it right yeah so i mean and you do have those situations where it's like everything is redacted you know you're you're not mm-hmm. allowed to talk about it so like yeah. when i was over in kuwait i wasn't allowed to let people know that i was in kuwait i was yeah. able to give you an address for my unit to send stuff to to send to me yeah but yeah. i wasn't allowed to be like yeah i'm in this exact spot and yeah. this country doing this this and this i kind of the same thing that i'm dealing with now i can't tell you where i work yeah other than i work in houston mm-hmm. yeah. that's all that i can say yeah you and know? like just and that's also for your safety and your company's Correct. safety because i mean I've, I've got buddies that do security work i've got you i've got my my mods like I've got guys that do security work, and it's really funny because, they, like, I know where they're at. I, I know because I, I have their location. I was going to say, I'm never you know gonna, where I'm at just because yeah, you have my location. Yeah, I'm never going to, like, mm-hmm. out them publicly and be like, hey, so-and-so is at the the Rainforest Cafe pulling security or some shit. Like, I'm never, I'm never going to do that. But it's, right. like, it's just funny that it's like, you know, you're not supposed to know where I am. And then turn off oh, your location. Why, why is he in the middle of the ocean? <laughs> like... <laughs> Like it's it's funny with Dallas because whenever he gets stateside, uh, he'll turn his location back on on Snapchat. Oh, and yeah, I'm just yeah. like, hey, Dallas is home, <laughs> cool. And uh, so, but no, it's it's it sucks that it's like that. I mean, yes, it, it mo- 
most suicides are like 85% men. Mm-hmm. And it sucks, but I mean, it goes back to, you know, we like suck it up, bud. Just yeah. suck it up. And, you know, everybody has their breaking point when it comes down to it. And in the military, it's rough because you don't have people to talk to because you don't, you don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be the pussy. Like, you don't want to be the one that fucking, you know, opens up and just, like, unleashes it all. But, like, those are also the ones that do end up either taking their life or having to seek major help. Which, I mean, I, it shouldn't get to the point where you have to seek major help. Right. Like, you should be able to go through things and come out of it unscathed. And the fact that they don't have anybody to talk to, the fact that, I mean— my my personal grievances with the VA, you know, I you know I don't I don't fucking like the VA, and I'm not even a service member. I don't like the VA because of how they are. Why is it that there's two things still on the paper system, the VA and the Postal Service? Like that's that that's absolutely dumb to me. Well, I really wish I had an answer for you on that. Like, oh going, no, nobody going will. to the VA. So I'm. I don't think the VA has an answer for me. No. So like, for those of <laughs> wait, you that yeah, are listening, yeah. I, I actually am a 70% disabled veteran, and I am working on. For those of you who don't know, the PACT Act just got passed, um, not but like a month or so ago. Um, going over like if you served in certain countries due to the stuff that's like in their soils and their you know stuff that they burn and the yeah, like, exposure the poop yeah. the poo pits you have to go out there yeah, and the stir, stuff pits. like that yeah, they're was... reopening and adding a bunch of medical stuff to the list of possible disabilities so if you haven't already look into that so that way you can try to raise your get your disability raised up because i'm i feel like crap i'm 29 years old uh, i've served in the country where one of the countries that they classified as that but that information didn't get didn't get pushed. Like I didn't know about the PACT Act except for the fact that one of my coworkers, who was also a Marine, told me about it and told me I needed to look into it. When I started looking into it, started looking at the symptoms of some of this stuff and stuff like that, like the the fatigue and the the muscle pain and the joint yeah. pains and stuff like that, it all correlates back to. I mean, I did I did a year and a half in a foreign country in the where petroleum is one of the main things that's mixed into the sand and my first tour i was stuck out in sandstorms all day guarding the base like and the only thing you have between you and the sand is a set of goggles and a ball maybe, maybe a ball mm-hmm. cover or a smog yeah and even that doesn't do much i mean there's still points in time where i was choking on the sand that was coming around like you yeah. can't it, it makes it hard to breathe i mean hell i was in new mexico and i was choking on sand like mm-hmm. right now that, that just wasn't fun so the the VA ultimately like I've been frustrated with the VA. Granted, my my disability papers like when I filed everything, I went to a designated VA representative who his whole job he doesn't we don't we don't pay him or nothing. The VA does. Um, his whole job is to build your packet to send off for your disability. So in that regards, that's that's a service that's not really talked about. Most military members when they get out, they they do it all on their own. So. Because I went through this guy, my disability turned around and got approved within, like, two or three months. I woke up one morning and had a bunch of back pay. I had, like, four grand in my bank account just out of nowhere. And that that is what helped me finally get to the point I could start my up and up. But um, most guys, when they start doing it themselves, like, I know guys that got out in their 20s and they're 67 years old now and still fighting the VA to get approved for anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's really hard because I, I, I had a VA representative actually tell me. So what happens with stuff like that is just like you were saying, the paper system. So you f- send in all this paperwork, right? 
and it gets stowed on these guys' desk. So mm-hmm. when they get to it, they pull it out and they look at it. But if it's incomplete, they send you a notification about what it's missing, and then it goes back to the bottom of the pile. Yep. So yeah. that's why it takes so long because stuff just kind of stacks and starts yeah. – essentially shit rolls down. It's basically yeah. like you're at the DMV and you forgot one piece of paperwork, and instead of sitting there and helping you fix – like unfuck the paperwork, they send you back out into the fucking waiting area. Now you're at the Make bottom you pull of the a queue. New number, and yeah. it's already it's like lunch hour, so everybody's inside getting yeah. there. To, they're driving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, that's essentially what it boils down to. And even then, like, so being seventy percent, it qualifies me for like um, disabled license plates, disabled veterans plates. Yeah. Um, excuse me, disabled placards. That's what I meant to say. Yeah, uh, disabled veterans license plates, free medical. Um, I don't get dental revision. You don't get that till you're one hundred percent. But even then, so like I, I'll set an appointment to go talk to the VA, right? I'll go in, and for those of you who do not know, I know that you know, I know that you know. Um, but for those of you that don't know, I am part of my disability is for severe anxiety and depression disorder. Mm-hmm. So I go talk to a therapist inside the VA. Well, they rotate out every year. So you I get, never get the same therapist. I get seen like two to three times a year, and by the time I get them spun up on my actual story They're and where gone. my issues are coming from, yeah. Yeah. it's somebody new. And yeah. I'm just like, all right, and so now you have to re all yeah. over again to this new person. Um, and even at that, when you go, like I'll set a 2 o'clock appointment, and I'm still sitting out in the waiting room at 4.30. Mm-hmm. Like it just it seems to take forever, and you're like, I've, I've had this appointment for like four or five months. How are you not prepared for this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you knew about this appointment since when I left the last time. Yeah. How are we not set up to, to deal with this? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last time I went to the VA, so it, it really frustrated me to the point that I actually started asking for, um, I don't remember the actual terminology for it, but where I could go see a therapist within the network outside of the VA. So I'm actually going and seeing a VA or a, excuse me, a, yeah, a VA like certified therapist. Yeah. But they're not but they're a part ex- of they're the VA. External. They're civilian yeah. and they're stationary. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, because the last time I went up to the VA, I had an appointment set with my doctor. I got up there, checked in. I waited around in the waiting room for like an hour and a half before they finally came out and told me, hey, your doctor's not here today. And I was like, well, this appointment's been in the books for five months. Why is my doctor not here? Why was it not rescheduled or something of, of that mm-hmm. nature? And they're like, we don't know, but we're going to put you with a different doctor. So I had to go in there. And after I'd already talked to this doctor and was getting up to the point, had to start back over at the beginning to yeah. explain to this doctor what was going on. And this doctor, mm-hmm. the only thing she really did was like, well, we can re-up your medications and this, that, and the other. I'm just like, I don't want any more medications. Yeah. So they, they diagnosed me with um, – or they, they prescribed me like two, three, two or three medications. And what those are, I'll keep to myself. But um, they, diagnosed, or they gave me two or three medications, and I started feeling worse and worse by taking these medications. So I've actually mm-hmm. been off of them for some time just because it wasn't dealing with the issue. Yeah. Right. And me and you had a phone call the other day. We were yeah. talking about it. The VA has a, t- uh, a tendency to treat the, the symptoms, not the yeah, problem. Yeah, they, they treat the symptom, mm-hmm. not the problem. Correct. So it's a Band-Aid over a, over a sucking chest wound. If, That's what it if is. I was one of those people that, and for those of you out there that do this, I, I definitely understand. But if I was one of those people that was consistently sitting there thinking about hurting myself, hurting somebody else, doing something like that, um, especially in the aspect of hurting myself, and you go get these medications, the side effects sometimes are worse than dealing with just the problem in and of itself. And if they would treat the problem, not the, not the symptoms, then that would be dealt with. So yeah, like yeah. The, one of the medications that I had caused extreme nausea, extreme dizziness, sleeplessness, 
all this other stuff. So mm-hmm. I started de- my body started degenerating by taking the medications that I was on. But my bet my brain felt a little better. Yeah. Until I started getting the electrifying headaches. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, what do you do in a scenario like that? There's nothing you can do other than try to set yourself up a support system outside of the VA and your yeah. friends and family. Yeah. And have, yeah. A, have a group of people that have an understanding of what you've already been through. Yeah. And, that, and that's one thing. The VA is especially badly set up to deal with mental health issues. Correct. Yeah. Because with, like, especially taking, like, psychoactive medications that mess with your mood, mess with your thoughts – that stuff you need to check in very regularly right well because the dosage is like wild very very specific to everyone well i feel like the va in and of itself is really not set up and it's i would say this isn't directly on the va Uh, this is just something that i've noticed Mm -hmm. the amount of veterans per facility is astronomical so when I went up yeah. there the last time, they have like four or five, especially, especially in the mental health department, they had four mm-hmm. or five doctors in there at a time, and you've got hundreds of people waiting out in your waiting room to talk, and they each get an hour apiece. So at what point in time do you realize, okay, maybe we should open up more facilities to facilitate these people? So there's a big VA hospital down in Houston, and then there's an outpatient clinic in um, Conroe, Tomball, and I think humble. So there are some outpatient clinics, but they're not set up to deal with the big issues. They're mm-hmm. not set up to deal with a large outflow. They're they're really kind of set around the lines of, oh, you got the flu, here's the flu shot. You got you know you need to talk to somebody for just a minute. Here's somebody to talk to. Yeah, they're but they're going to be gone in a year. Yeah, it's basically like it's set up to be a family doctor. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and you can only take your family there. Here's something else too. You cannot add your family onto your disability where they can get the free medical and health and everything else mm-hmm. until you're 100. percent Mm, so okay. even at that, like, I thought that was something that I was going to get, but it's, it's not, I have mm-hmm. to try to figure out my kids' insurances and stuff outside of the military. So, and then it makes you think as well with the failure of the VA, the failure of the civilian population and like the workforce and stuff like that in regards to our veterans, what was the point of me actually serving? You know, they were supposed to assist us in getting to the point where we stepped out back out into the world. We were a functional member of society. But the second we step out that door, there is no, nothing yeah. going for us. The best, mm-hmm. uh, the best thing that we have going for us would probably be right now the Wounded Warrior Program. And even then, they check on me once or twice a year. They ask me if I need any help with anything. I tip, I, you know, I'll tell them if I do. And they send me some links. And that's about the extent of it. After that, it's mm-hmm. all on me. So in my mindset, what was the point of me serving because I'm not really receiving anything on the back yeah. end? Like I've got my disability, which is great. I love having the extra money each month. Um, especially with the, I feel like I've earned that with the way my, way my body feels. And other than that, like I've got my school benefits. Those are the only two things that have really been sustainable throughout mm-hmm. my, what, nine years of service at this point. Yeah. You know, I, I'd served like a full nine year contract, four active, mm-hmm. four inactive and a year reserves. Yeah. So after all that time frame, I don't, I don't feel like there's any support going forward. Yeah. They kind of just kick you out the door and they're like, bye, have a good time. Yeah, like, you here, have to- here's your form. Yeah. Like, enjoy like, civilian life again. And, like, when when people join, they 
get all these promises of like, oh, this is going to set you up for the rest of your life. Yeah. Right. What was, what was like the one thing? It's like, oh, if you it, when you join us, if you put this on your resume, any job will take you. No job will mm-hmm. fucking take you. Well, I will say, so that's that's not completely accurate. So a lot of jobs when they see, like if me and you were to put in an application to the same place, right? And we had same the, the same resume all the way down to the point that I've got military service on there. They're going to pick my resume yeah. over yours. Right, yes. and that's the reason that I got the job that I do is because I actually have the military service, yeah. um, because the standards for this job are so high yeah. that and they you have you have access. You already have access to things that they would have to get me access. Correct. To. So it it builds that a little bit better. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But even then, like if you walked up, if you walk, if we just went out to a civilian job, right, and there are some companies that'll look at it and be like, oh well, he was military. But he's got this master's degree and yada, 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 yada. Yeah. They're going to pick the guy with the master's degree. Like I went into – I was in communications. I, you know, I worked with telephones. I worked with radios. I worked with computers. Mm-hmm. I should have been able to get a, a job with some kind of technology firm Yeah, and, and be well set up. But nobody – they look at you and they're like, well, you don't have a degree in this. Well, I did this for four years. I've got four years already of experience doing what you're already doing, and I probably know more than the kids coming out of college. Yeah, yeah. Which My, we we've, we share a buddy like Dallas that does IT, mm-hmm. and I he's been in for what four, six years. Can't remember um, exactly. It's a bit of a jump there. Four to six years. Oh, it's only a two. I year can't ago. remember. I remember uh, he could have gone out, but he just re-upped for another two years. I yeah, think. and now he's getting okay. out. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he he does IT work, and I mean, ha- like you spent your time working with the contractors that come out. And all that. He spent time with the contractors that came out. You know, those guys scout the IT guys. And I'm surprised that you didn't, you weren't getting scouted at the time. And it's like. I got overlooked at it for a lot of things in the military. Well, yeah. Like, I, I was basically the black sheep of my little section. So it, it is what it is. Um, but in that regards, like, I went, when I was overseas, I, I worked with the contractors to set up the phone lines for the entire base. And it's not a little bitty mm-hmm. base. Yeah, it was it was rather huge. large. Yeah. So I was having to go out there. Like they would dig the trenches. I'd go out and lay the lines and make sure everything worked and do the programming. And you know, I'd get the phone calls. I did get pulled my second deployment for for the mental health issues that I was talking about. I was having a lot of problems, and they sent me back for treatment. Um, when I got back to the rear with the gear, I was the only. I was. I think I was the only communications guy back on base for my unit. Mm-hmm. So, so when everybody it, else was gone. Correct. Like it, there was there was other people from the unit there, like guys that were fixing to to get out, guys that were you know mm-hmm. um, back home for like medical stuff. You know, th- there were people there from the unit, but there were nobody. There wasn't really like, anybody there in, from in my your, section, your uh, from my division. job classification. Yeah. yeah. So when it came time, it was like a month out from everybody coming back home. My um, the the head guy for the unit at the time i think he was uh i think it was a gunny or a first sergeant i don't remember he, um he pulled me into his office it was like hey springer i'm gonna need you to completely get the battalion ready for communications upon their return so i had to turn around and get all the phone lines set up I had to turn around and make sure all the blackberries were set up all the computer lines Man. were working and set all the radios all the radios were set back up in the shop and that we had all the equipment that we needed make sure the shop was cleaned and ready and signed for so i i essentially got our whole unit set back up for success when the unit returned like there was very little for them to actually do other than just enjoy themselves now i was fine with that you know i got pulled from the deployment early i didn't mind putting in a little work to kind of make up for that it was what it was 
Mm-hmm. Um, but it it came down time a couple weeks after the unit returned. They were doing like awards, and they have something called a NAM, um, which is a Navy Navy Achievement Medal. I think is the acronym for it. And I was like, surely I'm in the runnings for one of these. Like I, I just got a whole battalion set back up for communications. And they gave it. They gave one to somebody who. And I'm doing air quotations around this because I hate this. Successfully tracked gear in excess of specific amount of money. And I was like, you're kidding me, right? I spent months setting up the battalion for communication success once you got back. By myself. And then somebody got an award for yes. not losing. Somebody anything. got an award for watching something on a computer screen. I was like, yeah. you're, you're kidding me, right? Okay, that, that's that's great. For, yeah, that that for, that makes you feel good for for maintaining a spreadsheet, right? Yeah, and it it even got to the point like when I went to leave the unit, you typically yeah. when you check out you your section for the most part it's kind of a tradition that they do. Your section will pull you in, and you'll be in civilian attire. They'll all be in their camis and stuff, and it's just kind of it's almost like a goodbye spit roast kind of scenario, right? They mm-hmm. give you like a spit roast. Spit roast, not spit roast. Um, roast. <laughs> just a regular just roast. Just a regular roast, not a spit the, roast. Spit roast comes after. That's in the Navy. The spit roast is in the Navy. Um, but they, they kind of roast you before you leave, you yeah. know, and then they give you like this plaque or like a board or something like that with like your ribbons on it and a, a good thing to say about you. And it's, it's really neat. It's called like a little plaque ceremony. I didn't get one of those. When I walked in the unit to say bye to everybody, I essentially just kind of got the f- yeah, see the springer. So I went out and climbed in my truck and I went home. I was like, screw it. Hmm. The only person that appreciated me whenever I went to leave was the first lieutenant at the time from the uh, infantry company that I had served as a radio operator with before I went off to deploy yeah. for, my, for my second tour because he actually pulled us in. And, and this kind of deals with a little bit of the mental aspect too. He pulled me in, me and another wire guy, back into his office and was like, you guys have the most useless job in the Marine Corps, which I agreed with that, mm-hmm. with us going forward to, like, computers and stuff like that. I, I understood. But he's like, you guys have the mostly useless job in the Marine Corps. I have absolutely no use for you, and to me, you guys are worthless. And I looked at him, and I was like, sir, you know, permission to speak freely? He said, sure. So I was like, respectfully, sir, I'm going to make you eat those words. And when I went to get pulled from the tour, uh, I think I was like five months into it, um, when I went to get pulled from it, he actually pulled me aside with our uh, company captain. And they were like, is there anything we can do to keep you here? What can we do to help you? Because we don't want to lose you. You've been such an asset that we we don't want to... We can't afford to, to lose you at this point. I was like, sir, you know, with all due respect, they can't treat me with the stuff for the stuff that I need. Like I'm having, I'm having a lot of problems. I need to go home. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of boiling down. I explained the scenario to him. He's like, okay. So whenever he got back, he checked up on me. And the company captain checked up on me. And I wasn't a part of their, their section anymore. They, they didn't mm-hmm. have any responsibility over me. But they were one of the few people that actually reached out to me and like actually cared. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I've got my secretary just getting throwing me, hand uh, signs get, over here. Just, yeah, no, I'm making my uh, my assistant get me a drink. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, Rand- Randall's here. But I think I think ultimately the you also want a drink. I'm good. Okay, you want a drink? No, I'm good. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> throwing gang signs again. Yes. Um, 
But the the military in and of itself is great. The care that you receive in there, eh, not so much. And I will tell you it's guys, the leadership, are, right? Well, it's the higher up leadership. You, you get your you immediate leadership, leadership and then you get the really, really shit tier leadership. I feel right. like from everyone that like ever talks about it is basically your entire military experience boils down to one or two people. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like who is responsible for you? Right. And so it's like if they're good, you're going to have a good experience. If they're bad, you're going to have a really shitty experience. Right. So like the, the care that you get in there really depends on who you're dealing with. Like, like I said, there's a handful of my superiors that I felt were, were really worth their weight in gold. Yeah. Um, there were a few of my like comrades, I guess you could say like my buddies that I could count on for anything. I, I really screwed one of those up, and that's not a conversation for this podcast. I, <laughs> um, I mean, we, can, we can talk about it. No, I'd, I'd rather not. My <laughs> wife's going to listen to this. Yeah, I know. Um, but I, I really screwed up a, a, a really good friendship, to the, and this was a guy that I hung out with to the point that the unit thought that we were gay for each other. Like, we were just so – we hung out all the time. You never saw us separated. If you did, it was weird. Yeah. So um, – Back to the whole medical aspect of it, though. The, um... Weenus. Um, there... (laughs) (laughs) Like, I started... Out of context. For context, uh, he was touching his weenus. Um, I started receiving, like, mental health care, though, while I was still in the Marines, Mm -hmm. and... You kind of like once you start getting that, you kind of start getting looked at like the black sheep of the unit even further. Yeah, you're the problem child, right? Because you're you're finally being essentially you're being man enough to go deal with the issue that you're having problems with and trying to make sure that you're okay. But at the same time, you're a pussy for going and doing it. So it's just like, what do you do in a scenario like that? Like, do I sacrifice myself, my own mental well being, for the sake of others, or do I go get the care that I need? and take care of myself and grow and be better. I went the opposite route. I was already the black sheep. I'd been the black sheep like since the, boot the camp. The correction there is the – or the, the correct answer is the, the, the second one. Yes, the correct answer yes, is the second it, one. It you is, need to take care is, of yourself yes, first. Yes, well, yes. yeah, and the, if it's you really look you at it – You before others. Like if, you, if you're not taking care of yourself, you can't take care of anyone else. Yeah, it's like what I say so. with relationships. If you're – if you are not mentally fine yourself, how do you expect to – you know, have a healthy relationship. That's calling the pot. That's the pot calling the kettle black. Ah, shut the hell. <laughs> <laughs> I am mentally Guys, okay, let sir. Me, let me say this. If you ever get relationship advice from oh the one and only God. Frosty, get a secondary opinion, I, okay? That's all I, I say. I give good relationship <laughs> advice. This you, just doesn't take, mean you just don't take your own follow it. This yeah. doesn't mean, yeah, I can give good advice, but I don't listen to it myself. This also doesn't mean blow up the goddamn instagram with relationship advice i will you will also do get a picture of my big toe do it i've been everybody it's the same thing with have asking if high, yes it? people have been getting if my high ground my still open toe when it's high ground opening again it's i called specifically you. the one i have with an ingrown toenail in it because it's the grotiest toe man you just giving out feet pricks for free. it's toe picks right. dog toes not those feet. should be six millimeter podcast only fans exclusive I, we're gonna make that a sticker god we're gonna make your big toe a sticker. my big toe please please <laughs> Please. Oh yeah. Also, I am not, I am not drawing. Yeah. That. Quick. <laughs> we're, we're gonna take a quick little. To. It's uh, fine. Come up we'll, for we'll just Photoshop really it out and stick it on a, a JPG file. <laughs> okay. J- yeah. JPEG. 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 Okay. No. Yeah. JPG. Yeah. No. But uh, JPEG. To to take a breath really quick. Uh, we are uh, or well, we will be 
rolling out stickers uh, in the next coming days, hopefully, maybe the next coming weeks. Uh, so for all of you that are listening but aren't following us on Instagram, this is where you can stay in touch with all of us and stay up to date. Shout um, out to my wifey and her newfound yeah, cricket ability. Miss, uh, Miss Cora. The, the lovely and beautiful Miss Cora Springer. Yep, who's uh, currently at home dealing with three children. Yeah, I, know, I feel so I bad. I, dude, I feel bad. I spent an hour with Little Man trying to get him to sleep, and I know. he just would not go down. You look like you were asleep on my wall. I'm not going to lie. Dude, I, so, okay, I was for maybe about five seconds, and then he goes, ah. I was like, ah, go to bed. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, they had, like, the, 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 the little, like, go-to-sleep music playing, and I, mm-hmm. I was like, like why is this? This is working for me. Lullabies. Go to sleep music. Like, lullabies. Yeah, like, go it's to sleep putting music, me to you know? sleep and not him. And then like eventually he gets up and grabs his fire truck. And the next thing I look up, you come in or Cora comes in and goes, "Hey, everyone's leaving." I was like, "Oh shit, okay." How long have I been in here? A long time. Because <laughs> whenever I left, the kitchen was not unpacked. Or whenever I went in, the kitchen wasn't unpacked. When I came out, the kitchen was unpacked. Well, to be fair, there were like five people all in there unpacking boxes. Uh, fair. Well, so. I look. I got all the alcohol out. All right. I yeah. put it in the corner. I knew it was going to go in the corner. It yep. wasn't going anywhere else. It goes in the corner. And it looks good, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I've still for got the, glitter. For those of you who don't know, who may have put it together by now, I recently moved, and I'm currently all in boxes. And the wonderful Mr. Yeah. Frost over here came over and helped me unload yeah. late, but came and helped me unload the truck. <laughs> Look, I, I have to do U-Haul stuff, okay? Uh-huh. So. But, but, yeah. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> I wasn't looking at you like anything. <laughs> I feel like this Jared's just natural resting face. Oh, dude, dude yeah. Jared will, like, look at me, and I'm just like, what are you thinking behind those eyes? Like, <laughs> The inner machinations of my mind are an enigma. Mine is uh, the, the missile knows where it is because it knows where it isn't. Like that audio from TikTok that just plays in my head nonstop, <laughs> and I like I'll, I'll just sit there and everyone's like, "Bro, you all right?" I'm like, "Bro, imagine if the moon got sucked into the fucking sun." Anyways, back <laughs> to the main topic that we were on. Like that's like that's why I zone out from time to time. I'm that's just thinking that's, of wild that's shit. a different episode. That's like yeah. thoughts when you're high. Episode. I, that's my own podcast. Is Frost Thoughts. It's just I sit there and then whenever I have a really dumb thought, I just say it and it's like thirty minutes more of silence. It's like ASMR. <laughs> Bro, speaking of ASMR, I stumbled across that the other day on TikTok. For the first time ever, I actually jumped into this chick's live and was just sitting there. Yeah, did it work? And the amount of tingles that I felt in my brain and my chest, <laughs> oh my god, like it was so relaxing just to sit there and listen to it. And I didn't think, I was like, oh, it's just a bunch of hullabaloo. Yeah. It was actually pretty cool. Like, it was actually really worth it. And I was kind of in one of those frustrated moods, like I, especially with having the, the issues that I have with my body. I get frustrated pretty easy yeah. sometimes. So I just had – and I was I was gaming for the night, and I was having a real bad time with it. So I shut it off, got on TikTok, and I rolled, rolled across the ASMR. And I was the most calm that I've been away from my wife. Uh, a, uh, what was it? ASMR Darling and GB are the two that I listen to, and they – like, I love their content. I don't know what it is, but when they're, like, all close up on the mic and they're like – Yeah. And it's just like, what? Oh, dude, what? Jared was doing that <laughs> earlier, dude. Before you got here, he's just like – I'm like, stop. It's weird. Stop. <laughs> I'm going to have to listen to this section now. Yes, yes, you are. God Look, dang it. Some, somebody out there is going to love it. Oh, man. Right. But uh, no, so rolling, from rolling out, I, I know a bit more about your personal story, and uh, that whole section's uh, a can of worms to never be open. That can stay you know, on the show. You know my whole life story. Um, we've been friends for so like four years. When did you get out? 
2017 was the end of my active service. And then you were... I did three years in active service. I was almost done with my fourth year um, whenever I decided to go re-up for a year. So I got an additional year added on to my contract. And then when did you meet your wife? I met her in 2017. Okay, so around the time you were getting out. Correct. So okay. I, I got out March of 2017, went back to my hometown and got a job there. And when Harvey hit in, I don't remember if it was, it was, it was it September, was, I think. Yeah. September. Yeah, it was like late. Um, or it was, it was a little I, earlier I got time than off that. of school. It was a little earlier than that because me and her courted for a while first yeah. before we started dating. Um, I know that I actually started dating her September September 26th, September 27th, somewhere yeah. right there. Um, I have it in my phone somewhere. Yeah. But <laughs> look, look, you don't have to you don't have to remember the date of when y'all first started. It was you late. just have to remember marriage, like wedding anniversary. Well, that's difficult. That that's difficult too because we're already married, but we're doing the big ceremony. Yeah, in no, November, no. So, so. We, you, you, what you put in the phone is the day we went to the courthouse mm-hmm. and got you married. And then that's on the marriage certificate. Yes, and you actually, can't forget that. I've one. gotten that correct, and my wife will be like, "Yeah, we got married this day." I'm like, "No, no, no, paper, we got married this day." Paper. Just she's I like, need no, you to put it in a I'm like, frame and put it right well, outside on you, that you wall have, on your door. When you're married in the eyes of the state, and when you're married in the eyes of the Lord. Yeah, right. So, like, whenever the wedding comes up, I mean, you're not wrong. I'll in put that, that date in yeah. my phone so you don't forget, and then you can have. Oh, the I've certificate never, one. I've never forgotten. I still remember the day that we met. I still remember the day that we officially started dating. I still remember the scenario. I still remember yeah. our actual wedding anniversary. I'm going to remember when we got married, mar- like married through the ceremony. Yeah. I, I don't tend to lose that stuff. I remember when my kids were born. I'm really good with dates and times. I'm, I'm going to keep it a buck fifty with you. You're terrible with time. I'm terrible with time. And, and terrible I am with dates. Terrible with remembering Elijah's birthday. Yep. <laughs> it's eight days after mine. I. Yeah, there you go. Uh huh. Go ahead and admit you don't know your best friend's birthday. <laughs> I forgot your goddamn no, birthday. There we okay. go. Let's be honest about but, it. But um, so with you getting out and then you going into inactive, um, when did you pick up airsoft? Um, I picked up airsoft. It's like twenty. I want to say late late. I want to say late twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you met me around right, twenty seventeen. I met you. I met you a little bit. I think I met you right after I got up. Um, I met you after I was starting to work at Evic. Yeah. I met you afterwards. So I had been driving down here consistently going to spring to see 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 Cora. And we drove by Evic all the time. And I was like, bro, I'm going to stop in there one day. You know, I'd love to go see an airsoft shop. You know, go see what kind of gun stuff they have. Because I'd always loved airsoft. We used to play back when airsoft wasn't really big and Mm -hmm. everything was springers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no correlation, by the way. Hundred uh, percent correlation. <laughs> but it, I was like, I want to go see, and then I stumbled in there, and I was like, when I walked in the door, I felt like a kid in a fucking candy shop. Yeah, that's how everyone feels. So I started looking around, looking around. And I was like, all right, well, I'll be back. I came back like a week later, and I met up with Blake, um, and I spent I think three hours picking out equipment and weapons and everything else, getting a tour of the arena and mm-hmm. officially dove into it right after that. And eventually got my wife into it too. We were starting to play together yeah. until she got pregnant and then we had to yeah, cease. back burner all that. Yeah. BB Wars. Um, BB Wars turned into Baby Wars. Yeah. Um, turned into spending 30 bucks on three O's and now spending an asinine amount on formula. Yeah, it went from spending $30 on BBs to spending $30 on formula. Yeah. 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 Um, but uh, it, it wound up being 
a great asset to me. Like I, I dove into it and at first. I was kind of getting messed up left and right because I was trying to still utilize a lot of old military tactics, which works in some scenarios. Like yeah. when you go to a milsim game, it makes sense. In a scenario like us where we have an indoor, really CQB arena, yeah, it doesn't really benefit you to utilize your military training to its fullest extent. Um, what I eventually wound up doing was creating like a hybrid system for my like the way that I play, and I eventually wound up getting to the point that I was I was running the arena, yeah, mm-hmm. um, and loved every minute of it. And it was it was a great mental boost for me too because it was one of those scenarios like I was kind of back in my same scenario of being in the military. Cause, I mean, yeah. I can't shoot people with real guns. Well, I, I mean, you, you can. I mean, I can. You're I don't want to go to jail. Go to prison. I don't want to go know? to prison. I'd like to, you know, stay a civilian. <laughs> um, I mean, you are. You're but just a here, you, it, it's different. So when you're playing a video game, you deal with, like, lag. You deal with, you know, bad FPS. Oh, you deal you with deal that with, there, so. You deal with a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, brain lag, yeah. But in, and in that essence, a lot of people, like, I like to play Apex because I'm really pitted up against a bunch of other people that are, are trying to think ahead of me, trying to think. Uh, alternatively to what I'm thinking, mm-hmm. so it, it kind of becomes a mind game. It makes perfect ex- sense why you play Pathfinder. I don't play Pathfinder. Yeah, you do. You no, play Pathfinder whenever I play with you. No, I've never played Pathfinder. I've I always play played Life Bloodhound Life. or Valkyrie. Not Pathfinder. Uh, Bloodhound. Yeah, my Bloodhound. sorry. My yeah. bad. My bad. Bloodhound or Valkyrie. I'm sorry. Anyways, um, the same thing goes for Airsoft. It is a mind game. You have to think ahead of your opponents. Yeah. And yeah. Like to the point where there was a day that we did uh, a five v five v thirty, Shadow Warriors yeah. versus just a bunch of just thirty randos. Yeah, and pitted the entire like uh, pitted the, like, entire, the entire, entire day, like one game against five of us, mm-hmm. and it was just it was a massacre. Like, and it wasn't on the end of the thirty people dealing with us. Not me. Not me. Not me. No, I spent all my time dying on the left side. Oh well, <laughs> we uh, we eventually positioned the five of us got out in the middle of Main Street. This was at the old field, and we positioned ourselves to the point that we had every new every uh, every avenue of approach mm-hmm. locked down. And if somebody got taken out, then you would retreat just yeah. a touch, and you would have access to both until both people rolled back up. So I mean, it's it's literally a thinking game. You have to think of the strategy. You have to think of. You know, which way do I want to go to try to get this objective completed? Which way do I want to go to try to get behind them? You know, am I going to try a flanking maneuver? Or how am I going to move my body? So it creates this sense of, like, that military nostalgia. So that's why I picked up on Airsoft the way yeah. that I did. And how, how did that how that help in terms of, It helped like, more than mentally? the VA did. I mean. If I'm going to be 100% yeah, honest about yeah, it, I mean, that's the whole yeah. point of this podcast was to, to bring light to it. Airsoft brought me a lot of comfort. Where I couldn't find comfort before, yeah. So that's, that's something that we consistently hear from like almost every veteran who plays airsoft is that it really helps them because it's it it lets them deal with all of the mental things in a healthy way, right? Where it's yeah. like it reminds them all the good parts about their life and not let's well, not forget about the bad and part of it too like i know the va is utilizing vr in some of their therapy sessions like letting you go back and recreate combat scenarios and stuff mm-hmm. like that to try to try to do the same thing that airsoft did for me the aspect of it though that really kind of sucks is one you're you're facing an ai who they're yeah. really only programmed to do so many things yeah um yeah. if you're playing a video game like apex or something like that 
you get the chance of running into a 10-year-old re-kid who, <laughs> who just so happens to be better on the keyboard and mouse than you are. Yeah. Right? Just because mm-hmm. my fingers don't have the dexterity of, of this 10-year-old doesn't mean that I don't, uh, don't know what I'm doing. But when I step mm-hmm. into the arena and I start moving and I start flowing through and start just, just rushing everything – it creates a different sense because I'm actually utilizing my expertise and the strategies and the, the military mindset that I built over all these years compared to trying to play something in a game where a glitch can be extorted or, yeah. you know, there's, you meta, get, there, there's a meta to it. There's so, there's so many different yeah. things that when can go wrong. When there's you get the human aspect of everything. So I feel like using VR or video games or anything else like that to try to deal with your therapy, try to be your therapy just by itself doesn't really work. I tried that method for a while, and it mm-hmm. yeah, I, it would only make me more depressed sometimes. I get yeah. so mad. Rainbow Six Siege, I throw my controller. It was bad, <laughs> but in here, like I don't. If I get shot, it's by a mistake that I made, and I have to realize that. If mm-hmm. I if I wind up winning the game, it's something that I did in the game that led me to that point, right? I mean, I don't know how many times I one v ten or one v five or and and walked off with barely being hit the whole time that I was here. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it, it creates a. a better mind it created a better mindset for me and i really miss being out of the airsoft game the way that i have been i want to get back into it but three kids and a wife yeah, makes you, it a little hard. yeah i mean it's you gotta you gotta take some time for the family and that's it's everybody like I, we i've seen it the most is like especially with my team guys uh i try to instill it like into them is that if you need to go take personal time take fuck, it. like tell me and go like i'm not i'm never gonna be like hey no fuck you you need to go to this fucking event dude I, I'm I'm here on a Monday. This today's my off day, yeah. and I'm up here recording a podcast. Like th- these are my obligations that I have. Like if I have to record, we're gonna record. Like I'm gonna find a way. We're supposed to have another guest, but I'm grateful that you're here and uh, able to talk. Which, but like if I have to go somewhere, like if it's not something I'm obligated to, then I I love y'all, but I'm not playing airsoft today. Yeah, like, I I I gotta like mm-hmm. my my. I say this, I was able to swing it properly. Uh, my nephew's first birthday mm-hmm. was a couple days ago. I was able to go play Airsoft and then dip out, which, by the way, fuck you, Lane, because I know you're listening to this. Um, I love Little Man. My brother wants me in his life. Like, me and my brother, we had a rocky relationship growing up. But, you know, two brothers, you're going to fight. I mean, you're telling two boys to get along when we, all we want to do is just punch things. Like, we want to punch and throw things. We were shooting spitballs across our bedrooms at each other because we had in-line bedrooms. So we're just shooting spitballs at each other. Like, we were fighting growing up. But now that my brother's older and both of us have matured, we want to be in each other's lives more. And he wants me to be a part of his kid's life. And that's my obligation is to my nephew. Right. You know, just like my obligation is to be there for Elijah, Amari, and Carter. Like, I want to be there for them. Like, I, I know I can't <laughs> be there as much, but, like, it's it's my obligations. And, the, like, that's always going to come before Airsoft, just like my mental health is always going to come before Airsoft. Am I a different person that, than I was, like, when I first started this? Hell yeah. Y'all, y'all know Frost. Not a lot of y'all know Peter, which is why I introduced myself by my first name is because y'all are actually getting to know me in a whole. Shut up. Peter. <laughs> like... <laughs> So that's why, like, I'm getting more comfortable in showing my full side because, like, I, I've told you plenty of times, like, anytime somebody calls me Peter, I have to spin around and get, like, an image of their face and be like, how do you know me? 
Because, like, nobody calls me Peter. David is the only one that calls me Peter, and I hate it. I'm like, dude, just call me Frost. Well, because you introduce yourself to everybody as Frost. So, like, yeah. I've, I've yeah. been your best friend for – one of your best friends for years. And, you know, like, you're you're my best man at my wedding, and – I mean, I still of course, call whole family you, calls me Frost. I still call you Frost because yeah. that's the way you introduce yourself in the beginning. Yeah, well, and it also gets name, my attention. Well, and that's the name that you feel most comfortable with. So, yeah. as your friend, I want to use what's most comfortable for you. I'm not going to walk up to you and be like, hey, Peter – because you're not going to realize that I'm the person talking to you. You're going to yeah. be like, who the hell is talking to me? <laughs> it's like, who the hell is using my government name? Yeah. Right? Well, even on my name tag for Evic, it said Frost. Oh, yeah. HR was calling me Frost when they would come down. I'm like, Marie, well, yeah, Marie you, you know you can call you me. Because you introduced yourself, yourself that way. Yeah. As Frost. But it, it also, it's a, it's just, a mentality like, thing. the mic for a second there. Because. Uh, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. Uh, and it's also similar to the military where like. Nobody ever calls you by your first name. No. What, what gets your attention? Springer. I've been – so spins your head. For the last nine years of my life, from the time frame that I got into the military to even now doing the security job, I am known as Springer. The only, there's only two people that call me Dustin while I'm up at work, and that's my buddy Robinson. That's his last name, and my buddy uh, Hernandez. Even, like, my boss, the, the guy that got me the job, and his buddy, they also call me Springer, and I hang out with them sometimes, too. So, like, it's just the way that I'm known. Yeah. Same thing for you. You introduce yourself as Frost, and I, I always thought that was kind of funny because that's what I was used to doing anyways. Yeah. Was calling people by their last name. Yeah. So, granted, some, some last names get really jacked up, and I'm just like, yeah, what's your first name? Yeah. Um, you look at it, and you're like, I'm going to botch that. Give me your first name. We had, we had a dude in the Marine Corps whose last name was so long that you couldn't read it on his name tape. Like, like it was so, so like because was they, it like a small like they, well, they small printed it because they they had to <laughs> there was such a short name or such a long name been Dutch. that they had to drop it in size and even then it went from end to end of the name tape and for anybody who's curious about how big a name tape is they're about like three three or four inches long like yeah, they're not it's small. four by eight um so it's I, was, I feel like four. that's I was about to say that's really four big it's not not the name tape yeah it's like a four by it's, three it's like a four by two. Four by two? Yeah. Oh, it's it is thin, four by two thin, because but yeah. it's tall. The flags are. Go on Amazon right now. <laughs> okay. Figure out. But it's four by two or four by three. My like it, it was just it was so funny. But um, back to the topic at hand because we kind of drove down a rabbit hole there. <laughs> um, Name tape. If there's if there's any advice that I could give, even if it's not di- diving into airsoft to deal with that mental stress, you know, and, and giving you that talk, yes, you know, find yourself a group of friends that you can talk to. You don't have to go find a therapist, but find yourself a hobby. So because I couldn't get into Airsoft, I, I had to give it up for a while. I started getting real stressed out at home. I couldn't play my games. Even when I did, I was frustrated about playing. I couldn't find anything that really brought me joy um, other than obviously my wife and my kids. But anything like Dustin time. Yeah. I couldn't find yeah. anything to have as my own. Everything that I had would belong to my wife, my kids, my job, yeah. my friends. You know, I, I didn't have anything for me. So I was actually really ecstatic when – the the two of you and Corbin start playing disc golf. Introduced me to disc golf. Mm-hmm. Like I have actually spent some money now in disc golf and enjoy it. And actually partially picked my apartment because it's only five minutes from the course that we play at. Yeah. So it's a oh, lot. Sick. Yeah, it's a lot closer. <laughs> yeah, he's right up the road. It's it's essentially Spring Stuber and Kirkendall. Mm-hmm. Oh fuck! Just, he just docks himself. Boom. <laughs> oh, there's there's like four apartment complexes over there, so good luck. <laughs> and they're all well, excuse me, there's more than that. Oh, you know, massive. he's on the third floor. Shut up. The top. Floor. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> um, no, yeah, but, but it's it's not even just getting a hobby. 
it's specifically getting a hobby that gets you active and gets you outside. Right. And gets you gets you around your friends who mm-hmm. have an understanding of your mentality and your mindset and, and doing something with them. Like it doesn't even have to be and I, I told my wife this before, it doesn't I don't have to go out and do something on my own. Mm-hmm. I don't have to go out and, you know, I know some people deal with it in different ways. I don't go, I don't have to go out and gamble. I don't have to go out and go to the strip club. I don't have to go out and go to the bar. I don't have to do any of that crap. I'm perfectly fine with loading the kids up and going to the mall for the day with my wife and going shopping. But if it's all shopping for her and the kids and I'm busy dealing with the kids the entire time, mm-hmm. I don't really feel like I got any me time it's, there. Yeah, it's not a break for you. Right. So if we go into like – and it doesn't have to be an entire day of shopping for me either. If we go to the mall and then we turn around and go off to the, the uh, comic book shop down the street and I get to pick out some Pokemon cards for like $8, I'm thrilled. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. absolutely ecstatic. I'm excited. Like my wife bought me um, when, the, when the Lapras Funko got released – the small one mm, mm-hmm. uh, or well she she it was when the big one were released she bought it but she thought it was the big one and ordered me the small one <laughs> and i was happy about it lapras is yeah, my favorite yeah, pokemon yeah. i was still ecstatic but whenever we went to target and i was really sad i didn't get the big one we went to target and i saw the big one and i was like a three-year-old i ran up <laughs> around the aisle was holding it in my hands with this big <laughs> a big shit-eating grin on my face and was like eee! i can have and she's like yeah you can buy it and i was like no we need to wait and she's like no dustin get it I was like, okay. It's it's the simple things like that 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 wind up helping you with a better mentality and having somebody that supports that stuff, like my yes. wife, like Frost, like Jared, like Corbin. Um, it, it really makes all the difference in how I deal with my day-to-day. If I didn't have a group the way that I did, to be 100% honest with you, I probably still wouldn't be around. Yeah. Yeah. And and you guys understand the context of what I'm meaning there, but yeah. it, it would make it would make life a lot more difficult. When I got out of the Marines, I was sleeping on a friend's couch. Um, she was gone all the time. I was by myself. It was the most alone I had ever felt, and the lowest I'd ever felt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was terrible. When I started building my group of friends up outside of the Marines and started, you know, getting involved romantically and stuff like that, I started my my mood and my mindset changed completely. Yeah. Like, pre-service Dustin, following post-service Dustin, following now Dustin, there's, there's astronomical changes between those three levels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even now, I'm still trying to attempt to better myself to become an even higher variant of myself already. Yeah. Mostly in the financial department. Good luck there. But I, it's, it's all of us, dog. Fuck the economy. Like, I mean, I... I look at it because uh, yeah, I had a fair. friend's mom tell me, like, she asked me, it's like, have you ever been hungry? And I was like, what do you mean? She goes, have you ever, ha- like, felt like you were hungry, but there was nothing you could do about it? Yes. And I was like, honestly, I, I can say no. Because mm-hmm. I've never felt that way um, until as of late. But um, I never thought about it. Like, when I was younger, I was, like, my mom always made sure I had shit on my back and was able to go to bed at night and was always fed. But, like, I've never, like, but, like, nothing was ever given. Like, I I never. You earned it. uh, Yeah, yeah, I was never, like, it was never, you know, oh, hey, mom, buy me this Xbox. She's just like, yeah, fuck you. Like, Mm -hmm. no. Video games? What? Here's an Atari. Yeah, I didn't get my first (laughs) console until I was, like, 16. Yeah, dude, I I got a freaking AT&T Pantech when I was a freshman year or a sophomore in high school. And then I had to fight to get an iPhone. Like I, I went and got a job, and then, then I got an iPhone. And I was like, all right, cool. And then I broke it. Um, 
but like like and that's the thing now is like everything is just being given out and it's like there's no sense of like like well when we were younger it was always you know going back to it the you know suck it up and deal with this but you never realize that it kind of helps you in the long run it makes you just a little bit stronger uh like on the ass end because not only are you able to handle difficult scenarios but you also know how to handle yourself and handle the people around you but when it comes down to it nowadays like i mean everything's just being handed out there's no there's no sense of accomplishment in anything because everybody gets a everybody trophy. gets a gets a mm-hmm. trophy mm-hmm. on it like whenever i whoops whooped a whole baseball team's ass it was like hell yeah hey but y'all did good though like no well, like no yeah. shit yeah and like, a lot of it's for a lot of like children growing up nowadays people take the challenge away from them yeah which like, like they, in that in that moment they don't, they don't want know. anyone to fail so they make it so that everyone succeed yeah but when they do fail no they challenge. fail hard but that fail that yeah. failure allows like, for diversity yeah, yeah. If everybody is good it, and let's just use Little League as an example. If everybody gets, going. gets the participation award, then you don't uh, you don't actually get accommodations and get seen if you're an mm-hmm. above average player. Yeah. So in that sense, like I believe that failure should still be a thing. Like I don't I don't coddle my son at all. I love him to death, yeah. and yeah. I, I try to set him up for the best that I can for success. He's only one and a half, but. Um, like I, we we try to teach him the right ways. If he falls, we don't immediately go run over there and scoop yeah. him up, and start coddling him, and this, that, get and the other. Up. If he does mm-hmm. something wrong, he does get his butt butt spanked, or he gets his hand, yeah. you know, hand tapped, or whatever. So he knows not to do that again. We don't coddle. We don't just give him everything. You know, we've we actually so like if he wants a snack and we're in the middle of changing diapers, we'll be like, go throw this away, mm-hmm. and then we'll we'll get your snack. And he'll go throw it away and come back and he'll get a snack. So it's. It's gotten to the era where everybody, like you said, feels entitled to what they believe they should own to the point, like, I've seen videos of kids that will be like, I want the new iPhone, and go out into their backyard where their pool is, yeah, and throw their phone in their pool and be like, now you have to buy me another one. The mom's like, no, you're going to go fish that one out. It's waterproof. Shut up. (laughs) Like, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) yeah, And it, it also breeds this mentality of, like, I can get everything I want. Well, it's. It breeds this mentality that it's not okay to not be okay. Right. Where it's like, it's not okay to be unhappy or upset or like dissatisfied. Right. Where it's, it's like failing at something makes you unhappy and you shouldn't be unhappy. So you should never fail it. I think. I think in that that same regards yeah. that failure and disappointment are an astronomical detriment to a person's mentality. Mm-hmm. Like you have to suffer through that stuff in order to become stronger and yeah. become well, a yeah, it's, experience. it's something that you have to learn how to deal with. And if right. you never learn how to deal with when when you step real hardship when real hardship hits you, you're not going to know how to deal with it. Right. Yeah. You're going to panic and go running for other people yeah. and they're yeah. they're not going to be able to help you out. Yeah, and it, mm-hmm. it just it, it makes it makes you weaker, yeah, as a person. And like, I mean, it's like I say, everybody comes with miles on them. Like mm-hmm. Dustin's got miles up on us. Jared, you've got you've got miles up on me in terms of like knowledge. Like you've got mm-hmm. like your odometer compared to mine. Like I'm like a <laughs> new car off the lot. Like you're that you're that '86 Honda. 
sitting in the fucking parking lot. This is lot an eighty six Honda. Still How dare along. you? Like, and it and it makes sense when you look at it that way because it's like, it's true. I mean, you can't you can't just be fresh off the block and think you know what you're doing. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like, dude, I like. Well, how do you know that works? Because I fucking did it. Yeah. And right. It worked. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's and with the with the sense of like failing, like when hard times happen, everybody just bogs down. They don't like they don't put their head down and push through it because in that moment, this this little inconvenience, this little minor minor inconvenience, it's nothing. It is the size of a freaking atom. Like when you take a step back and look at it, but you have now made this the size of the sun. You've turned a mountain, in, or you turn well, turn the, a mountain the, into a yeah, molehill. It's the um, reverse. You've a molehill into a mountain. Into a mountain <laughs> yeah, essentially. Like yeah, and that's and they don't know how to how to deal with that. And it's like you you were never taught to how to deal with failure because you were always Coddled. given <laughs> and you were always winning. When in reality, yeah, well, you have to lose to learn. And you're being taught the whole time that you shouldn't fail well and that's like that's that, actually that why. they don't want you to fail it's not okay to fail and that like failure is objectively bad in all respects right where it's like they do everything they everything in their power to avoid failure for you or for themselves yeah and when you when you are taught that that's the way things are done when you do finally fail like yeah you're gonna think it's the worst thing in the world yeah when in all reality it might not even matter at all right and that's why like my time frame in the military it it taught me to kind of deal with that because Mm -hmm. you you go through a lot of trial and error in the marines in the military in general there are gonna be a lot of times where you failed yeah. Um. The, one of the one of the time frames that sticks out the most to me, we had a Jordanian pilot uh, during my second tour. I was a part of a, a essentially a QRF or Quick Reaction Force, um, who our whole job was to go out and rescue down pilots, right? Because we were supporting the bombing runs in Yemen and all, everywhere else that they were dropping mm-hmm. them. There was a Jordanian pilot that got shot down. We scrambled. We got everybody onto the planes and got. I got all. We got their communication set up and they went off. They started getting close they started receiving small arms fire um impromptu ground to rock ground to air rockets and like the the number of ISIS members that were there compared to the amount of marines that were fixing to be deployed mm-hmm. was the, it was night and day we couldn't do it yeah. so they had already surrounded the guy captured the jordanian pilot and we had to turn around and come back we couldn't get to him yeah and it really sucked because not but like a few days later they had actually showed us the video where ISIS had dumped gas all over him inside of a, a cage and burned him alive in the cage. And that was one of the biggest failures to us in, mm-hmm. in that same mindset. And that, that kind of goes into things that mess with you mentally years later. But um, we, we doubled down on our training. We doubled mm-hmm. down on how we did things. We, we revamped ourselves to get ourselves out the door faster. Mm-hmm. It went from us taking five to ten minutes to getting on that plane to it's taking about, two and a half. Yeah, like we always had mm-hmm. somebody ready to rock and roll at all times. So if that something like that was ever to happen again, we learned from our mistake mm-hmm. and you improve, improved, and got to the point that we could save a pilot if he went down. That was the only pilot we lost. Yeah, but it's well, like, yeah. but, but it the, was, it's the fact that it was one. It was one. 
That's that was, all it took was one. That was somebody's to brother. Learn. That was somebody's son. That was somebody's, mm-hmm. you know, husband, you. father. Uh, I don't know. Well, we never got the details on like his yeah. actual family, but that was somebody to somebody. Yeah. And we had to sit there and watch. Yeah. There was nothing else that we could do. Yeah. And, and the mentality and the lesson you took from that was not, it wasn't, wasn't we yeah. couldn't get this done. So in the future, if a pilot goes down, we're just here, not going to do it. We're not going to go. Right. It was, it was, we fucked yeah, up. We're going we to get there. We didn't yeah. consider everything that was a possibility. We didn't look at every yeah. angle. Let's look at this again. Let's double it down. Let's figure this out. So that way we're not losing somebody mm-hmm. else. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like we failed, so let's not try next time. It was we failed, so we got to try harder next time. Right. Yeah. So, and in that same essence, um, we had a guy while we were deployed overseas. Um, he he wound up running into some relationship issues. The girl that he was dating dumped him, or was with another guy, mm-hmm. or got caught. Yeah, Whatever. I don't remember. Jody. I don't remember the exact scenario, but he gave himself a what? What is the, he gave himself a five five six lobotomy. Mm-hmm. In in a port of John, oh. um, so that wasn't that wasn't necessarily a failure on any specific individual, but that was a failure on the unit altogether for not one seeing that there was an issue and two dealing with that issue in a faster response. Yeah. But mm-hmm. what they did, and this is why the the Kuwait deployment gets looked at as kind of like a joke sometimes, but they they took weapons away from everybody that was not deemed essential personnel to have one. Yeah. So like, um, whenever I'd get off post. Or get off my sh- my shift for the day, um, I, my weapon would go back in the armory because at that point I was not deemed essential to have that weapon. So I'd go mm-hmm. back to my barracks without it. Yeah. But like when I was on the security forces, my first tour, I carried my weapon with me everywhere. It, I didn't go anywhere without it. Mm-hmm. So it you would be reprimanded if somebody found you without it, right? So they uh, you, it's more than reprimanded, but we're not well, going to yeah. go down that path. <laughs> um, but it, it got to the point yeah. that they yeah. they saw the issue, they fixed it, and because of it. More, uh, more Marines, more Air Force, more of our coalition forces went home mm-hmm. because when you're over there, you do struggle with that mental, yeah. mental stuff. Mm-hmm. So it, it boils down to failure and everything is, is a key point in life. Uh, it, it definitely is something to not be scoffed at, yeah. but I don't think it should be completely taken away from like yeah. our children. You have to fail to succeed. Right. You, ha- you have to fail a couple relationships in order to find a good relationship. You have to fail a couple times at your job to be able to figure out that, you know, this is what I should be doing instead of this. So you have to fail in order to win. Right. Like you can't you can't go your whole life winning because you're never learning anything new. You might think you're learning new things when you're, you're not. winning, it's... but all you're learning is that if I do this every single time, I'll win. And then that's all you know. And so whenever somebody throws a curveball at you and you mm-hmm. don't win, you 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 take it so hard so hard and that Mm -hmm. you don't know how to deal with that you don't know how to pick yourself back up like it failing is a part of life i'm pretty sure you know well moses failed the first time he came up with a freaking uh like noah noah failed the first time he (laughs) tried to build the ark and was like nah this ain't gonna work all right big boat get them all in like you know everybody's failed like ever since the dawn of time people have failed and they've figured out how to get over it right yeah and that's not by but you the know DA hasn't learned that getting lesson yet. getting uh a taste test of <laughs> five five six that is that is not the way to that's not the way to that's not the, the way to fix your failure nope we're not we're not taste testing 
calibers at all. So we're not suck starting two or three. Uh, which has happened before, but I, not, that that's that's an oh, image God. in my head that yeah. I, I I want out. Yep. I can do like you ever seen a demi gorgon? It's like that. That's what I just got. We just got dark. So when real we quick, were, when we were overseas, they would actually show us videos of them doing like the A ten bombing runs. Yeah, like yeah. Oh, like yeah. the the black and white like IR footage. Yes, like the IR oh. footage. I I have literally seen a multitude of videos where guys went from standing to pink mist. Like they don't exist anymore. There is no body to bury. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was buried. Yeah, and a lots of lot of empty spaces in the ground. Yeah. So it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've seen plenty of those, like the Apache footage. Like, I, I think it's always gnarly to watch. But then again, like the, the it jack- doesn't it doesn't wig me out. The jacked up part about it was they showed those videos to us to boost morale. <laughs> Yeah, bro. Kill. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> Got to get yeah, you pumped I up. Mean, typical, like marine mentality. Like Oorah, kill. Yeah. Oorah, yeah. kill. Yeah. Kill, kill, kill. Ra, kill, crown. And then you see that Snacks. and you're like, <laughs> and you see that and you're like, I I don't want to see that. But then everyone else is all Oorah, kill. Real, so you're kill, like, Oorah, kill. So you're like, <laughs> you're like, oh, this is kind of wigging me out, but I don't want to say anything. It gives you, it, it makes you become part of that herd mentality. Yeah. And it, yeah. it just feeds into that thing where, once again, like, you don't want to talk to anybody. Right. When you're yeah. having issues. Because every, everybody's just rock hill, and you're just like, I ain't feeling it, Doug. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not feeling it. Like, I'll be And it's, it, then they're like, no rock hill? No rock hill. <laughs> but rock hill. Rock no, hill. No, no, no rock hill. Rock pussy. Fuck you. Like, <laughs> it's. I, it's frosting. I'm, okay. I'm trying to follow the mindset here, and I, I think I've gotten around. He, he was essentially like the guy was calling the other guy a pussy, but that's all right. <laughs> um, but were they Marines or were they cavemen? I, at both. Well, some Marines are cavemen. <laughs> Look, fair. And the okay, what is it? Uh, I, I mean, if you want to ever find a caveman, just you know, just pull a bag uh, out of your pocket. I, a patch. Uh, it's like if you, well, if you ever want to find a caveman, just go find an eleven Bravo. I mean, which is wild too, because like I ain't saying a- infantrymen. I look, I get called in. I'm not even in. Like I get shit on as a content creator so much for like doing airsoft. I'm just like, right. like they they all like yeah, they all shit on airsofters, and I'm like, hey, you do realize that there's a lot of military guys in airsoft, right? Y'all are, y'all are shitting on your on your like family, I would say at your least friends. If, if I would say at least a third, if not half, of the airsoft community is all military or yeah. like cops or something of that nature. There's actually I saw it on admin. Uh, it's funny we always end up talking about him, but you know he's mm. our our new newly evic uh, affiliate. Um, he was uh, doing his Wednesday drip day stuff, and uh, it was a a kid and his father. His father's oh, yeah, battling yeah, cancer that. right now, but he's also, uh, was it FBI? It's basically a three letter and, uh, he's playing airsoft with his son mm-hmm. and it, it kind of, it kind of brought me into a headspace for a minute because I was like, man, I really wish I could play airsoft with my dad. Mm-hmm. And my dad's not dead. 
Like not 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 saying that like my dad's dead. His his knees are just fucked. Right. Oh, like yeah. my dad goes down to kneel, he hits a BB. Like that man's in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. See, my like, dad my dad raised over. me up playing. He would go out and play airsoft and paintball with us when he still when he still could. I mean, I was like 12, 13, 14. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's gotten to the point where I was like, I really wish I could bring him here to play. Well, but my I dad got me into airsoft. Handle. My dad uh, didn't real like I don't think he still realizes it. He got me into B, into BB wars. Like, my dad got me a little Springer at the time. It was, like, this little, like, 1911 Springer. And I'm I'm in the backyard plinking cans. Like, I'm, like, you know, overseas fighting a war in my backyard. And then uh, then he got me that uh, the MP5, but it was top-fed from the site. And oh, so the yeah. battery was the mag. Like the $20 Walmart. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he got me that, and I was like, this thing is cool. And then my grandpa got me an airsoft gun, and then – I started getting more and more into airsoft, and it was the day I walked out of uh, AMC whenever I got off shift, and I looked right, and that changed my life ever since then. As when I walked out of shift and I looked right, and I found high ground airsoft. I remember the day that you were that you walked in, like I was working shift when you walked in. No, you weren't. Yeah, it was because I was in the back. I was I was up front just. Well, you the crap. you were there, but I when I first started, you weren't there because. Uh, Nick Nick was still working there. It was, it was still a hallway. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha, from gotcha. the moment I first started playing airsoft, because Nick gave me shit when I walked in the front door. He goes, hey, you looking for a gun? I'm like, no, I'm just looking around. He's like, oh, no, you perusing? You just perusing? Hey. And he started announcing it to the whole store that I was just perusing. And I was like, mm, you're a piece of shit. Well, did I know that would become one of, my, one of my closest friends working at Evic before I got close to Corbin and Jared and you, all the back staff and front staff. Like, airsoft changed me. Changed my life. I was a quiet mm-hmm. kid. It may not seem like it, but I was I was quiet. I was, like, kind of reserved, just did my own thing. Just do me a favor. Don't reach so, in the back. I was a band nerd. Hey, bro, don't come to school tomorrow. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. On that uh, exit stage, right? What, what hour mark are we? It's, like, an hour and a half. I don't know. It's, like, what's it say? Did it, like, turn off? Well, my, yeah, my screen went to sleep. <sighs> We need. I need like my stream deck to just display the recording timer. We've been we've been recording for about an hour and a half. Hour and a half. Hour twenty eight. All right. Well, let's take a quick little recession here and uh, do our little sponsored segment. Uh, we still got sponsors. Yeah, Flippy, Flippers. What it's, a guy. It's what a Flippers legend. on Instagram. Uh, if you guys need any artwork, custom work, uh, anything done. Uh, and even if you're just looking for some really cool anime patches, but in the tactical waifu style, uh, it's flippers on Instagram is the guy to go see. Um, I completely forgot the discount code again, but I'm going to look it up here really quick, but he does do custom artwork, all that jazz for you guys. So if you want to go message him, uh, that is the guy to go see. We've also got, um, my, my sponsor, but I will also extend it to you guys because I love all of you. Uh, it is bodyarmorvent.com. Uh, we make the best breathable inserts for your plate carriers to this day. Um, right now, the the new uh, B24 has been out for quite some time. Uh, fully customizable to any plate carrier that you have. If you're one of those cool guys and got a custom built rig just for your size only, like if you're like a schmedium or a or a large extra large somewhere in between we've got the new b24 out for you guys and the, that's one's cut to fit right yeah that yeah. one you can cut um there's a whole video on how to do it uh just uh, whatever you do don't cut the channels um but 
If you use code FROST20 at checkout, you'll get 20% off your order. That is at www.bodyarmorvent.com. And then really quick while I try to find the uh, discount code. So the discount code for uh, It's Flippers is uh, 6mm pod. That's 6mm pod, i.e. as like the first six letters of this podcast. Well, five letters and a number. The number six. Yeah. M-M-P-O-D. Yes. And then, um, like I said, stickers coming soon. Uh, all that jazz. Courtesy of Cora Harrison. Yes. Springer. <laughs> Springer. Not Cora Harrison. Hasn't been Springer. legally changed yes. yet, but yes. It will be. It will be. Yeah, we'll, we'll get stickers out for you guys in the in the coming week. Um, make sure to follow us on uh, social media platforms. Uh, you've got Mr. Jared Hereford that doesn't post often, but it's his personal one if you guys want to. See what he's been up to. He does some pretty cool stuff from time to time. We've also got some cool stuff in the work. I might start posting more. Yeah, uh, that's uh, Pajamlet on Instagram. That's P- P- Pojo Melt. P-O-J-O-M-L-E-T. Yes. And then you've got mine on Instagram. That's call sign Frost. And that's call sign underscore Frost underscore. Um, Mr. Springer. Uh, you have Texas Card Geeks Correct. and Freaks. Right? On Texas Card Geeks. Texas, um, Card, Texas Geeks. Card Geeks on TikTok, and I think it's Texas underscore card underscore geeks on Insta. Awesome. So yeah. we may we may have to have a discussion in the future about being a potential sponsor for you as well. Uh, every time. And then uh, if you didn't listen to episode 10, you might want to go listen to it because there's a special offer at the end of episode 10. So if you haven't listened to it now, you need to go listen to it. I'm not going to tell you it. You need to go listen to it. It's at the very end of episode 10. But they get to see your big toe IRL. I have said too much. (laughs) They get to see your big toe IRL. That's what it is. Yeah. 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 That's what it is. Um, But, yeah, uh, we had Scum Customs on. Uh, We'll also be doing some more work with Scum Customs hopefully soon um, for some stuff. But we've also got some very special things coming out for our heavy weapons gunners. Oh, you're talking about the thing? I'm yeah, I'm talking about my, the thing. My project? Yeah. Yeah, and then... Uh, Let's just say, you ever wanted to see a tag-in go... Mock Jesus <laughs> out of a barrel? Yeah. <laughs> this is the thing for you. Yeah, That's you, scary. You ever oh, wanted dude, to sh- I have to, I'll, I'll show you the video. Well, you saw it on TikTok. Yeah. Yeah, it was that thing. Yeah, that, that thing. I, I watched too that. Much. <laughs> I, I, too much. I'm assuming you saw my comment. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. The, the shiny, glistening head. Better than the sun, guys. Yeah. I am the sun. Bald. <laughs> Bald. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah, I know it's bad. <laughs> I know it's bad. Just give me, like, three, like, five seconds of dead air right there. But, yeah. Um, it's a good place to wrap it up, right? Hour and a half? Yeah, because I got to go home and we're good. Yeah, you got to go get groceries. Yep. Yeah. But, uh... Okay. Yeah, no, this has been episode 11 with uh, Mr. Dustin Springer. Uh, is your unit still around? Yeah, both my units are still All around. Right, shout them out. Come on now. Shout out to 2729 Palms and 123 South Houston. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shout out to them. Uh, thank you for listening to the this episode of the podcast. Uh, stay tuned for episode 12. Uh, it might just be Jared and I. It might be a guest. Probably just Jared and I. But, uh, yeah, we uh, we love you, and we'll see you all next time. Go touch grass.